0: Who are you? I'm no one. stories about what happened. To you.
2: All the galaxies.
1: All for you. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast coming to you from Mixler slash channel 1138.com, from Star Wars Underworld.com, from Podbean, from Apple Podcasts, Google Play. And just about anywhere else that you can find a podcast, it's time for some more awesome discussions and commentaries and just anything else that comes to mind. Got a little news for you, got a little barbecue for you, and it's just going to be a really fun night. Um, as you may or may not know, my name is Zach. You might have missed my voice over the last few weeks because I've been on a bit of a extended hiatus, if you will, an extended leave of absence, if I'm going to quote Senator Amadala. But uh, I'm very excited to be back, and I'm very excited for what we're going to talk about. And I'm also excited to be talking about it with the man who helped me start this thing five and a half years ago. Back for more action, back for more fun, for over the 260th time in the history of this show. Please help me welcome my good friend, Mr. Benjamin Hart.
2: How's it going, guys? And how's it going, Zach? Good to see you again. Good to hear from you again. <laughs> it's gonna be and... good to
1: see you in about a month, dude.
2: Yeah, you're right. I will actually be able to say that literally what? in a month. In a
1: month, less than um, a month. We're getting really close to this,
2: which is amazing.
1: Like it's a, it's a really crazy thought because we've been talking about this for months, and to actually say that okay, so next week is Thanksgiving, and then the week after that, I'm taking finals. So it's like one, two, three, uh, 3, 21, 24-ish days until I see you. It's like, yeah, yeah 23, like, 24.
2: the movie comes out in like 27 days. It does. Spo- Spoiler alert for those of you who are paying attention. Yes, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. And this is what we've been doing these episodes for is the countdown to The Rise of Skywalker. Yep. And it is 27 days as of recording this. When you're listening to this, probably it'll be even shorter amount of time. And before that, we're going to meet in, in right? L.A. So it's coming up insanely, insanely quick. And it's I'm, just I'm amazing. here
1: for all of it. I'm just saying. Right. I am I am ready for all of the fun that this is going to entail. It's going to be standing in lines and playing Cards Against Humanity. It's going to be <laughs> going to Disneyland. It's going to be going up and down the... Hollywood Walk of Fame and flip it off the Trump star and any other stars that are on the Walk of Fame. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm going to have fun this trip, okay? I don't know what that fun sounds like is, fun to me is going to entail, but I mean, I'm just going to have any kind of fun that I possibly can. So, it's going to get crazy up in her and uh, I'm excited. Yeah, you're right. 27 days away, but the ironic thing is since you can listen to this after it's been recorded, you know, we have it in our library and you can basically listen to it anytime you want. You could be listening to this, like, a year after. And it's like, oh my gosh, these guys were so excited for this movie. Rightfully so. It won, like, ten Academy Awards. <laughs> exactly. That's the fun thing, is we don't know. We really don't know. And no. it's that excitement and that anticipation that makes it so much fun. But like you said... When we're doing the countdowns, that means it's because we have another episode of Star Wars to talk about. We've been doing this all of 2019, probably once a month or so. We'll get on here and we'll talk about a Star Wars movie, but things are ramping up. Things are ramping up. We are getting ever Absolutely. closer to to actually discussing The Rise of Skywalker, which means it's time to talk about some of these sequel movies, the ones that have been most recently released. We've talked about Solo, we've talked about Rogue One, but as far as the chronology goes, it's finally time to talk about the stuff that is part of this new generation, this next generation of Star Wars, starting with The Force Awakens.
2: The fact that we are on TFA now shows how close we are to the Rise of Skywalker. We got one more movie, and then that's it. We're there. We're right on top of Rise of Skywalker. And yeah, Revisiting Force Awakens because we haven't done this. We haven't talked about this movie in since it came out. Uh, yeah, I was about so, to say
1: we have not talked about this movie since the last time we talked about this movie, which was 2015. <laughs> right. so, so it's been almost four years. It's crazy. It, it's it's
2: been, and a lot's happened. So okay, here's, I'm, here's I'm,
1: some here's some perspective for you. The last time we talked about this movie. We did a four-hour crossover with the guys from the Star Wars Underworld, yes. and we did not, as of yet, have an actual logo to put on the promo material. Oh, no,
2: we didn't. We were working off just... Uh... The little thing that I would put together literally every week.
1: Just, said, a, just a little teal, IPC. little teal font that said IPC on it. That was our logo for the first year and a and half. If you
2: compare all of them, I'm sure they're all a little bit different because I literally assembled each and every one of
1: them by hand. Like, just as it happened. They looked close enough to me. Like, to, to the casual observer, it looked like you had a template or something and you just copy and paste it or something or... You made it into a into a PNG, thanks to the wonders of Photoscape or something. But right, it was well, it was it was it was a good time.
2: Thank God for Jake Damon and Parker Ott, uh-huh. who helped us get a logo. Uh-huh. Speaking of which, Jake could not make it tonight, poor guy. But uh, Zach is filling in for him, as you can see. But uh-huh. normally speaking, Jake is filling in for Zach, which is <laughs> weird. So yeah, there's some. I'm stuff the new going Jake. <laughs> Oh, exactly. Dude,
1: I am still rolling. I saw this comedy stand-up special on iFunny of all places not too long ago. Really? They do like these little videos on iFunny now when you're scrolling through the popular memes and it was a story about this guy who went to college in the 90s and he um he took a Russian class thinking it was Spanish. Didn't realize it until it was too late. Tried to drop the class, and the professor told him not to because she needed a certain number of cl- of students for her to make the class. So she's like, "If you just take it, you'll make a C." So he just took Russian, and he did it like four semesters and earned enough credits to be able to minor in it. If he went on a study abroad trip to Moscow, and I all this—I've
2: heard this story—the
1: the, the <laughs> hilarity that ensues when he actually goes to Moscow. Oh my
2: God! Tell me this: Does the guy telling the story does he have a shirt on? He does not. <laughs> then I've seen it. Then oh I've my seen the whole... gosh. I somehow it popped up in my feed, and I just watched like it's like like twenty minutes at least of him explaining this just <laughs> insane story, and I was like enthralled by it. Oh like my he gets gosh. involved with like the Russian mob, and there's all this kind of stuff. He's just a school kid, and the guy telling it is a guy standing on stage with no shirt. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but.
1: Bert Kreischer is his name, Bert. Oh Bert Kreischer, and they made like a South Park video of it based on his description. And I actually heard they were actually the, uh, making a movie based on this story.
2: Oh my god! <laughs> I I don't
1: amazing. I don't know if it's been confirmed yet, but when when I was like I'm the new Jake, it just reminded me of how when he was partying in Moscow, he's like I am the machine. <laughs> Oh my god, that's funny. Yeah, go go look that up. I think you could just probably just if you look just, up. If you just type, I am in, the machine. If you just type in, I am the machine, that's your first result that pops up on a Google search. Go it's, watch I am the machine, and you'll thank me later. But do not watch it with kids present, Joey. Don't play it with your girls around. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying. This guy drops as many f bombs in 12 minutes as I drop in a month or two years. Yeah, it's I don't it's as
2: the as the cool kids say, not safe for work. Uh, <laughs> Do the cool kids say that? I don't know. I, I don't I, know who I feel says like, that. I feel like the nerds are the ones that say that. But I feel like it should be the opposite. Like <laughs> I feel like you can you can play stuff around your like coworkers because like they're used to it. They're right? used you go home mm-hmm. and like you don't want to play in front of your parents or in front of your kids or whatever. Yeah. Um, you should be not safe for home. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> but whatever. Oh man. I... We have a bit of news to talk about before we jump into the Force Awakens discussion. Yeah. So we've got a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff is happening in Star Wars. We got a new episode of The Mandalorian today. Dude. Awesome. What did you think of it, really quick? Just spoiler free thoughts.
1: Um I I feel like Kenobi is in very good hands with Deborah Chow.
2: You're not wrong. You are not wrong.
1: And I, I think I think that's kind of the kind of the consensus that has been reached based on this episode. It's got a lot of great action. It's got a lot of Really great characters. It delves into the history and the lore of Mandalore a little bit more. Um, It's got some sequences that are very Clone Wars-esque that, you know, up until now we've only seen in cartoon format, and now we see it in live action, and it's just breathtaking. So, yeah, it's it was it was very very fun to watch.
2: I said something similar to this on Twitter, but I'll, I'll kind of expand on it here. That I it just amazes me, and this episode shows it that this series continues to not only one up itself i think each episode is like better than the last in my opinion and also it continues to expand the scope of the story and actually like change the premise totally the first episode you're like oh it's this cun or whatever and they gets to the end and oh there's the baby and you're like oh this show is gonna be completely different and you get to the end of the second episode and it's like oh my god this is completely different and then you get to the end of this episode and it's like holy crap, everything just changed. Everything is different now. Mm -hmm. So I have never seen a series do this on such a large scale of continuing to challenge the status quo just three episodes in. Like, we're third episode in, and this show feels completely different from what I was promised in the promotional material, like the trailers and stuff like that. Right, right. And I'm not complaining. I think what we're getting right now is amazing. It's surprising. It's everything that I wanted from a Star Wars TV show. And, I don't know, it's just, it's amazing that we've come this way, and now The Mandalorian is delivering so much. And, again, we're only three episodes
1: in! I was about to say, they've done it in such a short amount of time, because it's maybe, what, 80, 90 minutes of content, if you watch it back to back to back? The episodes have been
2: averaging, like, 30 minutes. Yeah. Like, and, like, I know people are, certain people are like, ah, I wish they were an hour long. Like, I agree, but I also, like, understand that... Maybe this doesn't need to be an hour long. Maybe you can tell the story in 35 minutes, and I'm okay with that. Just tell the story that you need to. I mean, the Clone Wars told excellent stories in
1: 22, 23 minutes.
2: There's some episodes of the Clone Wars that feel an hour long, but they're only 22 minutes. Like, that's a testament to how you can tell a complete story that is totally, doesn't feel rushed or anything, that's told in such a short amount of time.
1: Well, I mean, at, at the same time, at the same time though, I wish we'd gotten like six or seven episodes of the Umbara Arc, just putting that out there um, I would not disagree with you there
2: um okay, so going back to this news that I was just discussing because on the movie front, a lot been going on, and we had d b Weiss and those guys that came in. From Game of Thrones, they're going to do the next Star Wars trilogy or whatever in 2022. Well, they got fired, or they're out, or something like that. They're they're, they're no longer with us anymore. They're alive, but they're not working on Star Wars. You get my point. They, that so, was a
1: whirlwind right there. Yeah, I know. Ups and downs like, there. They're fired. They left. They're not with us anymore. <laughs> they're not a part of Star Wars. Like, my gosh, those guys have had a terrible life. Yeah, they really... Yeah, you feel sorry for them. Um, But, so,
2: now it's, like, wide open. Like, no one knows what's going to happen. And now the Hollywood Reporter has come out and said that, based on their sources, that the 2022 Star Wars film that's going to be the next Star Wars film after The Rise of Skywalker next month, it is still happening, and it already has a director, and the director will be announced in, I think, January. So, they're going to wait for everything to cool down with Mandalorian and Rise of Skywalker, then they're going to announce, like, the next slate of films that's coming up in the next few years. So, they already have this person down. There's a lot of signs pointing to Dave Filoni and John Favreau. Given the success of The Mandalorian, they might yeah. be taking a bigger step towards taking some live-action stuff and actually doing, like, a full-fledged movie, which I would be totally on board with. But... I'm thinking just personally for us, if we were in charge, if we were Kathleen Kennedy, and I'm going to throw this question to you, Zach. Oh, boy. Wh- who, who would you pick? Who's your dream director that you would want to potentially start a whole new saga? We're looking at 2022 being this restart of the Star Wars saga. After the Skywalker saga has ended, now we're starting a whole new story with new characters who would you want to lead that off as a new director? Am I allowed to
1: say Spielberg? I guess anyone. I said anyone. I I would be interested in Steven Spielberg directing the first movie. I know that he's not crazy about sequels, but I'd be interested in in seeing Spielberg kind of kickstart it and then actually honestly based on how the, how the tonality has gone for uh, the stuff in the Jurassic World franchise, I'd be okay with somebody like J.A. Bayona kind of following in Spielberg's footsteps.
2: I could see that. I could see
1: that. Um, but if we're talking, like, Dream, honestly, I'd be really, really fine with Favreau. I really would. Based, I, I love Favreau. I mean, I, I on, love most of his work. Based on the cinematic and and CGI success that he's had with The Jungle Book and The Lion King, based on his track record as a director with Elf and Iron Man and Chef, based on his connections to the Star Wars universe, already voicing a couple of different characters in Rio Durant and Pre uh, based on the impressive response that the Mandalorian has had in the first few weeks, I could really see John Favreau taking a much bigger role in the Star Wars universe, and I'd be very okay with it.
2: I I completely agree. I think I think Favreau has the experience. Has you know he's been in this game. He's not he's not like Filoni in the sense that this is a completely new game for him. He's actually kind of stepping down into TV. You know, after doing starting one of the biggest and most successful franchises of all time <laughs> with the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Iron Man, right. like going to the Mandalorian, obviously is going to be a, is is a fan favorite and people love it and people are going to be clamoring to have him more involved in Star Wars and I would absolutely be on board with him taking you know doing starting a new thing you know starting the next saga whatever that may be. Here's um, here's
1: here's the thing though. The man has become very much in demand. Yeah if if you if you take a look at all of those things that we just talked about outside of Elf, which came out in two thousand three, pretty much everything we just talked about, what Favreau's done, is stuff that he's done within the last decade. Yeah, like I mean, Iron Man is two thousand eight, so that's like eleven years, but it's kind of within that same relative scope, you know? I mean, Jungle Book and Lion King. And then Iron Man, and then working as Happy in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and now Mandalorian. And then, like I said, Chef was a really great, really popular indie film that he was a part of. And I think he's got like a spinoff TV show about it now. Like, the man is in high demand on a lot of different fronts. The only concern I would have is, would he be willing to commit to one franchise? because if he's in such high demand is he going to be willing to commit to star wars the way star wars would be or uh, you know the star wars community would kind of be committing to him i i just yeah. i just don't know if that's something that he really sees himself doing cuz if so it could be another decade of commitment to one franchise that i i just don't know if he's up for that
2: yeah i don't know i think to be kind of contrarian here, I feel like that he was really committed to Marvel for a long time, and I think that's kind of worked its way out. Obviously, he hasn't directed, I think, since Iron Man 2, and, you know, Happy Hogan is kind of like, I don't think he's going to be a huge character going forward. I think he's probably kind of reached the end of that, Um and then he kind of started doing the Disney remakes, and that's been a huge thing for him. And who knows? I mean, he obviously he can multitask. He can do different things. But I think he's kind of gone through different franchises and kind of committed himself at certain points to to Marvel, to Disney. And I think now, he, regardless of the movie, he's kind of committed himself to The Mandalorian. Like, he's he's directing episodes of Season 2 right now. Like, he's fully on board with The Mandalorian. And, you know, at any point, I'm sure he could step away, because a lot of series creators don't stay with it the whole time, but he could definitely step away and do something else. But I think he may well be already committed to Star Wars, at least for a few years. doesn't necessarily mean he has to direct three Star Wars films in a row or whatever. He could just do the first one and be the kind of the, the set piece or kind of start it off and establish the tone and, and write it and kind of establish the characters as he's doing with Mandalorian. And then hand it off to someone else and let, you know, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I still, I'm with you. I love Spielberg. I would love to see him do a Star Wars film at some point. Um, Spielberg would be a name that would get butts in seats and it would really get people intrigued. I don't think he's interested in it. I think it's because of George. I think I think he doesn't want to mess with his friend's toys.
1: I think that's just well. I mean, the way it is. that that may be a professional courtesy because George never directed an an Indiana Jones film.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, they have just they collaborated so much over the years, and they're such good friends that I think I, I think he's kind of made excuses like, "Oh, I don't do sci-fi," which is obviously not the case. Spielberg has dabbled in every genre imaginable, um, so. I don't know. I was still, I hope maybe he changes his mind at some point he does it. He's been heavily involved. He's the one that hired J.J. Abrams in the first place. Like, he convinced J.J. to do Force Awakens. By the way,
1: what exactly kind of genre does Indiana Jones classify as? Historical fiction? Uh, I would say (laughs) sci-fi. That's the weird thing, is like... Yeah, you're right. He says what it, like, I don't do sci-fi, and then like, uh, excuse me... Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, that's part of your franchise. Even even Raiders, I would
2: say, like, take that last scene. Like, yes, it's based in biblical, theological like, f- myth and legends and stuff like that. Like, what we know about the Ark. But, like, ultimately it's a artist's interpretation of, like, what would happen if you open the Ark? And it's very sci-fi. Very. Like, all the face melting, that's very sci-fi. And I think Indy goes in that direction. Even Temple of Doom is pretty dark and kind of you know, science fiction ass. Oh man! So, you know, I think that it's it's. I think only officially would be action adventure, but it is. It does have sci fi elements, just like Star Wars does. Star Wars isn't necessarily sci fi; it's action adventure, fantasy, and it has sci fi elements opera. and Western elements.
1: Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, okay, one more thing before before we move on. How do you define a space opera? I don't know what the official definition is. I, I, that's than, one thing that has yeah. baffled me for years. Because not... Singing is not like a priority in Star Wars. Like, <laughs> size noodles. That's about it. I always interpreted it as
2: soap opera. As, you know, days of our lives in space. That's that's that was my has been my interpretation and I guess. being the family drama that Star Wars is it ultimately is um, you can definitely relate it to
1: that. I guess if you want to put it that way, but at the same time, I kind of want them to do like an episode of Mando, kind of like they do with the episodes of The Flash, where it's like all yes. singing. Like, can you imagine Pedro Pascal doing like a a full on singing episode of his TV show?
2: But, I mean, think about it, though. So much of Star Wars is just—and George Lucas has talked about how it's basically—they're meant to be silent films. They're meant to be—you know, the music kind of establishes the the narrative and the feelings. And even without the music, you can kind of tell what's going on even if you don't hear the dialogue. And take The Mandalorian. There's a huge chunks of this show that's completely without dialogue. And it's just music and just people— looking around and you get what's going on so like is that a musical is that an opera is that a space opera you know it's kind of i think it's kind of open into interpretation but i I like the idea that the mandalorian is kind of going in that direction of like yeah this is basically like a silent film like you could watch episode two of the mandalorian and get what's going on you know without any subtitles or dialogue
1: uh, okay, I mean, I would kind of want the subtitles, at least when you're interacting with the Jawas, but I get what you're saying.
2: I think I think if you, like, watch the Jawa scene, you, like, you get, like, okay, he's going to get his parts, Kewel's trying to help him, and then he they go on back and forth, and then they start chanting, and then you, I think you would get it. It would be an interesting experience to show somebody, like, that hasn't seen it, like, what's going on, but, like, I think you would get the picture with what's going on, just based on watching it. And you could probably say that about a lot of things, but I think especially The Mandalorian is like, you know, he's a character that doesn't say a whole lot. He's in environments that, you know, aren't, there's not a lot of dialogue that's needed. He lets,
1: uh, he lets his actions speak for itself.
2: Right. So, and really quick, I'll I'll answer this question myself. I, I, I agree with you. Favreau, Spielberg, I love those. I was
1: about to ask you that. I was like, wait a second, did we actually... Like get an answer from you, or were you just like echoing a lot of the stuff I was saying? <laughs> kind of, sort of.
2: But I'll throw in, I'll throw a wrench in the gears here, and I want to throw in a little bit of diversity here because I think there hasn't been a lot of diversity. Being which the first female directed, uh, bit of live action Star Wars released today with Chapter with Three Jeff, with of the Mandalorian with Dipper Chow. Chow, um, and. I would also love to see a woman direct a Star Wars film, a full fledged Star Wars film, and just off the top of my head, I thought of Patty Jenkins as Oh, a from good Wonder Woman. Ex- yeah. I it's one of my favorite D C movies. I still think that's a really great movie. And she was almost she almost did Thor two, The Dark World, and it probably would have been a better movie if she had. Um so I think I think just having uh, a female voice on these films would be great and you know obviously i think there's a lot of there's, there would be a lot of goodwill i think behind that that people would really be excited to to see some more diversity behind the camera and have a, a new director that we haven't really seen before do something with star wars um but even like heck deborah chow give her a star wars movie i, I would be down for that too
1: man like i said i feel like kenobi is in very very good hands I, they I, made the right choice. There. I, I honestly, I really enjoyed Jessica Jones. I really did. It was, it was very gritty. It was very down to earth. It was very like, it had a very real feeling to it, even though you're dealing with a lot of paranormal type stuff. And you know, that, that was all thanks to a lot of the, of the visionary directing by Deborah Chow. And so we now see a glimpse of that in the Mandalorian and with all the excitement surrounding bringing Ewan McGregor back I think I think Deborah Chow directing Ewan McGregor is going to make for a very gritty, down to earth, dramatic, exciting Star Wars miniseries.
2: And yeah, I think and having a I think having a singular vision because, you know, not to say that I don't like what's going on with Mandalorian, but I think having a lot of different directors doing it could create problems, whereas you're going to have basically her and the writer and you, and and that's going to be it. Like, with the creative team making that happen, that really excites me, This telling this singular, focused story about what Obi-Wan was doing in that 19 years on Tatooine.
1: Man, not to get too derivative, because we do have a movie to talk about tonight. (laughs) Not to get too derivative, but I feel like Kenobi will instantly become my new favorite piece of Star Wars material if we get even one flashback or forced ghost appearance by Liam Neeson
2: that I feel like that's I I am like a lot of people like right now with the rise of Skywalker are like oh we've got to have Hayden Christensen as, as Anakin and I agree with them I think that would be awesome I'm not betting on it because I, I just I, I don't want to go in with those expectations but I feel like that, you 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 need Qui Gon in that show because like the whole it's...
1: point of him going to Tatooine was to experience training from Qui Gon, so that he can be better in tune with the Living Force. Right. Like you, so... you, he's he's got to be able to communicate with his old master. So yeah, I feel like if if Liam Neeson slash Qui Gon isn't a part of this. Then there's going to be a very large portion of the Kenobi series that is sorely missing. Exactly. So yeah,
2: that I I cannot wait for that. I, that's supposed to be shooting pretty soon. And <laughs> We've got more stuff. We got more episodes of the Mandalorian. We got Rise of Skywalker.
1: It's gonna be nuts. we got the we got that Cassian series that's on the horizon. Yeah, yeah. But it's... here's here's the interesting thing, is once the Rise of Skywalker is done, it's gonna be the start of 2020 basically and we'll go through all of 2020 all of 2021 and 11 and a half months of 2022 before we get to sit down in a theater and do basically do this all over again like we did or what we're going to do for the rise of skywalker do you realize Mm -hmm. that and like, we're going to yeah. have to come up with a new reason to get together, because there's not going to be another opportunity like this for three years. Well, we'll double up a bit this December, because we're actually
2: going to be able to watch a couple episodes of The Mandalorian, or yep. at least one. Yep. All together. So that's going to be awesome. But after that, yeah, we're going to have to... We'll have to get together for, else. like, the
1: Kenobi season finale or something. I'm game. I am absolutely game. Like, I, I enjoy those crossovers a lot, but there's just not going to be a whole lot of opportunity outside of maybe, like, uh, celebration to get together. Like, yeah. That, that'll yeah. that'll be about it, so... Yeah. Uh, but going and, and
2: see you bringing that up and the fact that... You know, this will be the last time for at least a couple years that we'll be able to get together reminds me of the first time we ever did this.
1: That was fun.
2: The fact that, um, for those who don't know, you guys came to me because I wasn't able to travel in December of 2015. And it was just kind of getting started. and We just came up with the crazy idea of, hey, why not just go <laughs> all down to Mississippi and we'll watch the movie together? And that's exactly what happened. And the funny thing is, we met for the first time in the theater. Yep. You were running really late, but you got there on time probably, I don't know, 20 minutes or so before the movie started. Like an hour. Like an hour, yeah.
1: Within within an hour, I think.
2: Yeah. I just know it was close enough to like, is he going to make it? I don't know. It was kind of getting worrisome. And then you walked in and you sat down
1: next to me and was like, Okay, let's
2: watch the movie.
1: And that's how it happened. That was was the infamous story of how these two podcast hosts met each other.
2: (laughs) That was basically it. And then we watched The Force Awakens for the very first time in a theater, and it was amazing. And that was four years ago. Jeez. Four years ago. Man. It seems like yesterday, but yet it also seems like ten years ago. So yeah, I, my perception of time is all out so
1: of much has happened since then, and yet it's one of those memories that just kind of resonates with you for so long because you you try and like soak it all in and try and like take it all in as much as you can because like I remember. I remember the theater. I remember where we were. I remember that we didn't have a whole lot of turnaround and we were like eating really, really quickly in between showings because the local radio station invited us to the midnight premiere as well. And we went and watched it a second time, like less than an hour or something after we just finished watching it. And I was like, okay, I'll get to take all this in again. And then, um, we got to the point where they're at um, Maz Kanata's place, and I started dragging, and I was like, "Oh God, I can't fall asleep now! I'll be so embarrassed!" <laughs> like, that's when I realized it was a marathon. <laughs> like, truly, this is one of those sequences. <laughs> like, when you're when you're hanging out with the guys from Eleven Thirty Eight, there's no such thing as sleep.
2: No. No, no, it's just sleep.
1: It just, it just doesn't exist. Like, you collapse from exhaustion. You pass out in the back seat when you're driving over to the next state over to watch it in 3D. But there's no such thing as Sleep. You, you just, your body just eventually gives up on itself. Here, here's what happened, for those who
2: don't know, which is pretty much everyone. We watched the movie. We we went to the theater. Of course, 7 o'clock showing, I think, was yep. the premiere time yep. on the, that Thursday. So we get to the theater. We watched the movie at 7, 8, 9, 9.30. We probably got out. I don't know exactly, but all I know is it was enough time for us to go back to the y'all's hotel room eat a little something get a podcast done just our initial reactions and then go back to the theater immediately yep and go watch it a second time for the quote-unquote midnight screening
1: yeah yeah but we got there at like 11 or something or 11 15 just so that we could get a decent seat right and, and
2: we it was like the top of the theater like it was way in the back i remember and i don't remember watching that that time I don't. I think. I think it's like the movie started, and then I was just <laughs> asleep.
1: I rem- I remember Dominic kicking ass at the trivia questions they were asking.
2: Yes, I remember that. I remember that.
1: I, re- I remember that he was just like answering every question. I was like, come on down here. Do you want to ask the questions? And like, he started asking them some trivia questions that they didn't even know. And I was like, okay, I'm hanging out with the cool nerds. I love it. I love it. Uh, but I, you talk about eating a little something. Oh, dude. <laughs> oh, dude. Do we
2: save that for Barbecue Watch? We'll save oh, that for Barbecue Watch. Oh, dude. We'll reminisce about that. But I do want to ask you a question about okay. the movie itself. So as mm-hmm. we're saying, we the last time we talked about this movie in depth on this podcast was four years ago. A lot's happened. We've had a lot of Star Wars movies, a lot of water under the bridge. How does Force Awakens stack up four years later? You know, for you? Like what is your opinion on it in regards to like the other films? Is it your favorite? Is as your opinion approved, gone the other way on it? Like what's your take on it,
1: you know, after this? How was the last time you watched it? Uh last night actually. Okay. You 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 did good. Now a- admittedly, I really hadn't watched it up until last night all that often probably had been like maybe a year or so. Um, so it, it has been a while since I've, I, I really watched it. So I got the chance to reacquaint myself with it, which was nice. And to, to answer your question, does it still hold up? I think absolutely it does. If anything, the anticipation of certain sequences is actually really fun because you know the characters and you kind of know how they're going to behave but I don't necessarily have all the lines memorized. You know, I've got some classic ones like Chewy We're Home. Like, I know that right. one. But, you know, there's some other lines that I'm sitting there going, oh, my gosh. I forgot they said that. Like, the the scene with the Raftars and Ray closing the door and it, it chops off the Raftar's arm. And Finn's like, it had me, but the door closed. And she's just like, that was lucky. Come on. Like, she, she doesn't take credit for it. And it was so funny. She didn't take any credit for that. But they kept going on their adventure, you know? And it was it was just a really fun adventure tale. There was a lot of stuff where things just kind of seemed to conveniently come out all right. But it's not like anything we hadn't seen with any other classic hero's tale, you know? Um, the music was awesome. The nostalgia was awesome the visual storytelling was amazing there were so many shots that you could just pause the movie and take a screenshot of it and frame it you know the, the it's it's just very well composed and i think it was some of those intricacies that i really had the opportunity to pay attention to this time because i knew the overarching story i knew how things were going to unfold and now i got the opportunity to kind of peel back the layers a little bit further and and dig a little bit deeper and that was really fun to do.
2: I think for me, I four years later, I am very nostalgic for this movie. And it's not because the movie itself is nostalgic. It's it's very it's probably the most nostalgic Star Wars movie in regards to it's 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 trying to be. And for the people that are like, you know, it's too close to a new hope or whatever, like, that's kind of the point. It's, it's trying to invoke the uh, the original trilogy in a new way and it reintroduce those concepts and those elements. But for me, it has nothing to do with that. For me, it's about the fact that I remember watching it with you and Dominic and Chris in the right, theater. Right. I remember that whole thing and then you guys went back home after time and then I left. I went to New York City and spent Christmas in New York City. I didn't actually even watch the movie in New York City, but everywhere was billboards and posters. And Times Square had giant building-size billboards for this movie everywhere. And I have such fond memories of this movie. I have such—just, like, the best memories of my life are associated with this movie. And every time I watch it, it it brings those back. And— yeah. I am very nostalgic in in the sense that it it's it brought me so much joy and, and is one a made a massive in, impact on my life. So from yeah. that standpoint I can always love it. As as a movie I think I think my opinion has only improved because like for example I remember watching this movie and then they get to the trench run scene where it's Poe going down the trench and he's going to get into Starkiller base. I remember right. rolling my eyes at that scene. I'm like Okay, you know, you had the, the super weapon and all this kind of stuff. Now you've gone too far. You've gone too far. there's a trench run in the scene. This is ridiculous. Now I watch that scene. I get chills. It's like one of my favorite moments in the movie, and that's just an example of like how my opinion has changed on certain elements of this movie. Yeah, it's not perfect. Yeah, I have some issues with it, but I think overall, it's a really solid film, and it did its job. It did what it needed to do. It brought Star Wars back. It introduced new characters and new planets and everything in a semi-old way and brought back those old characters as well and did them in a new way. I think overall it's a great film that I think it's underappreciated still in the way that it, it brought Star Wars back after 10 or so years of being then. And even so, like, you know, the prequels weren't the most best received, and even going back to 1983, like, it was the first time we saw those characters, and it also I think laid down the foundation for what we got in the future, and we're gonna get this December. I think for that, it deserves all the credit in the world, and in creating a new trilogy which I've really grown to love, and, you know, who knows where it's gonna go, where it's gonna end, but The Force Awakens was a solid Foundation, a solid launching pad for everything we're seeing right now. Not just the sequel films, but Rogue One, Solo, The Mandalorian, Rebels. All of it came from this and basically restarting Star Wars with this film. And I think it did an
1: incredible job. Well, I mean, if it didn't do an incredible job, we wouldn't have gotten those other things that you mentioned. Exactly. Like it would have. It like it established
2: that Star Wars was still popular and was still, like, the right. biggest thing on the planet. And right. if without Force Awakens, without it being... And, you know, like, I I love the prequels, but I can't ignore the fact that... No! The- <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't ignore the fact that those films weren't, weren't that well received when they came out. And there was a lot of ill will towards Star Wars because of those films and people just going... You know, on just the most docile level going, I didn't really care for those films. I'm not sure I'm really that big of a Star Wars fan anymore. I'm not really interested in that franchise anymore because it just hasn't been doing it for me lately. And I can understand where people are coming from. The Force Awakens was, okay, let's reestablish this. Let's show what Star Wars is. And it brought everyone back. It brought everyone back. And yeah... We've had some stumbles along the way. We've had some things, controversial things that happened. But ultimately, Force Awakens reestablished that, yeah, Star Wars is good. And people love Star Wars. And I think for that, it deserves a lot of credit. Because, I mean, say the Force Awakens gets us go back to 2015. What if it was a financial failure? You know, what if it, it bombed the box office or it didn't make didn't become the top grossing domestic film of all time, it could have been different. Now, we wouldn't be looking, maybe we wouldn't be looking at The Mandalorian. We, we wouldn't have gotten, you know, Rogue One or Last Jedi or Solo. or We wouldn't be those. looking
1: at Disney Plus, that's for sure. Maybe
2: not. And, you know, that was the telltale sign of how valuable Star Wars was to Disney. You know, and that's that's the thing is like people say, oh, Star Wars is a cash cow, and then they're trying to think, yeah, they're they business. Disney is a business; they have to make money, and they, you know, they have to have things that have value, and and Star Wars is one of them, thankfully, and that's why we're getting all this stuff. And you know, a lot of people don't like Last Jedi, they don't like Solo, but those films being successful, well, at least one of them was, um, help. Paved the way for other things that you do like, like The Mandalorian, like we're getting right now. So, like, but Force Wagon's was that linchpin of if this doesn't work, where are we gonna go? Like, where
1: what could have happened? Yeah, that's true. Now, here's here's my question to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is seven years later? Question mark. Mm-hmm. Disney paid approximately four point oh five billion dollars to acquire Lucasfilm. Right half of that in cash and half of that in shares of stock do you think they've gotten a return on their investment at this point
2: i i think absolutely i think i think considering three of the four films they've released so far have been outrageously successful and i'm not not talking about like fan criticisms or anything like that because you could you could do that for any of these movies. Just based on monetary value, Rogue One, Last Jedi, and, and and Force Awakens were all extremely successful. And Solo was just a victim of, like, just production troubles. Like, if they hadn't been able to, hadn't had to make it twice, it might have made some money, but it didn't. It had an, an enormous production value. But, and I'm, I mean, like, even if Rise of Skywalker isn't as popular as they think it is, or if it's Controversial in any way, which we know it will be, is still going to make a billion easy. <laughs> like it's still going to do probably, that. and probably, and that'll just put be icing on the cake for them because I think they've already at some point they made the four billion back. And you know, I think coming into this and now that we have the Mandalorian and being that that's, I don't think Disney Plus would work without the Mandalorian. Like, look at what's going on now and the fact that they had ten million subscribers on the first day at Disney Plus. That wouldn't have happened if they didn't have the first ever live-action Star
1: Wars TV show on the platform. That was a big selling point, for sure. Uh, here's the interesting thing, though. According to the report that I read, half of that $4 billion was in shares of Disney stock. Yeah, I think George the, is in, one of the largest stockholders now. I'm about, to, I'm about to say, the interesting thing is, now that Star Wars is under the Disney wing the return on the investment for those shares of stock must have increased almost exponentially. So the money you're putting into buying Star Wars is now returning on itself who knows how many fold. Right. Because that $2 billion worth of shares has to be worth more now thanks to the success
2: of Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, Star Wars is... I mean, that stuff has to increase in value because Star Wars is a more valuable property. It's become more valuable since 2015. Like, before 2015, it was kind of a a dead film franchise that had, you know, yeah. one or two animated shows and a few video games, and that was about it. And it was well known that, hey, there's not going to be any more Star Wars movies. And then 2015, Force Awakens busts that wide open by saying, hey, this is a brand-new, vibrant feature film machine that we're gonna mm-hmm. belt one of these things out every single year for the end of eternity, Ugh. and it, they're all gonna be successful. And there was talk
1: about doing two a year. Yeah,
2: exactly.
1: And we, as and now we're not getting one for three years.
2: Exactly. And see, that's you know that, that's just the. I guess we could just chalk that up. It's to... It's all Solo's fault, right? But we can also just chalk that up to <laughs> just gr- growing pains, I guess, and Disney just having to learn the hard way that they can't they can't turn star wars into a assembly line of production
1: well they they definitely can't turn it into a cinematic universe like they're trying to do with marvel it's just it's the the mythology of it the storytelling of it the standards that star wars fans hold to their films there's just a lot more involved in making sure you get it right right
2: and it's just yeah the star wars is special and i'm not saying I say this with the utmost respect and love for the MCU. I love the MCU, but Star Wars is just held on this pedestal, and it's felt as this really special thing, this sacred thing, and that's why so many people get upset about it for the most trivial things. It's because they they, they love it, and they, and they really appreciate it, and they want it to be done right. And I think even the most toxic people on the Internet that are angry about the dumbest things still come from that place of, I I love this, and I want it to be treated right. And I think it starts in a good place, but ultimately ends up in a really bad place. But still, Star Wars is special. Star Wars is something that there's nothing else like Star Wars. Not Marvel, not Star Trek, not anything. It's Star Wars is so unique, and it means so much to so many people. And you just can't, you have to be careful with that. You have to be treat it with kid gloves and I think Disney just saw dollar signs at first like oh we can keep doing this Force Awakens was a success and we can just keep doing this and it, it didn't work you know it right. Solo was that wake up call of we need to slow down we need to take this a bit further and I think ultimately maybe it'll end up working out right because we Solo was still a good movie I liked it I think a lot of people liked it it just didn't yeah. make enough money but ultimately we're going to get a couple weeks couple years break and then we'll come back and then a couple weeks yes yeah, a couple weeks like yeah that's like the new That's the new plan over hundred release a new Star Wars film every two weeks that's the
1: new plan well well I mean if one tanks there's another one coming up next week <laughs>
2: exactly
1: but just oh, but gosh.
2: more on this film more on the force awakens specifically one are the biggest criticisms of this movie and we, we talked about it me and Jake talked about with Return of the Jedi, is that film does actually bear a lot of similarities to A New Hope. I think some people forget that, but one of the biggest criticisms of that movie at the time was, oh, it's too much like A New Hope. It's, you know, you're bringing another Death Star in and stuff like that. And Force Awakens really is that on on steroids. And bringing similarities to New Hope is kind of a, a, an oversimplification of it, because really, it's if you actually analyze it, it's more a combination of all three original films. It's like, you know... The third act is kind of like the end of Return of the Jedi. The first act is kind of like the beginning of A New Hope, and then Empire's kind of somewhere in the middle there. Um, but it's it's intentional, and something that just came up recently in Bob Iger's book, where Bob Iger was talking about how George Lucas was pissed off coming out of the sale and all this kind of stuff, and how he was disappointed by certain things, and he did not like this movie because, quote-unquote, there was nothing new in it. And what it wasn't taking enough chances... And Bob Iger's quote is saying that George was angry at us and didn't like the movie for doing exactly what we were trying to do, which was give the fans this nostalgic piece of Star Wars that was an obvious throwback to restart this franchise. But George hated it because it wasn't moving forward. And you can't blame him, but I also understand from Disney's point of view that it needed to be done. But from your perspective, Zach... Do the similarities to A New Hope, is that a big hang-up now, or you kind of just got used to it? A
1: hang-up? I don't know if I would necessarily describe it as a hang-up. It is something that I notice probably more and more when I watch it. This time around, I kind of recognized the the opening sequence of The Force Awakens and how much it resembled the opening sequence of A New Hope. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole idea of... You've got the plans that are going to bring down the bad guys. You've got, you know, this this critical piece of tech that needs to get to the, the people who are resisting. And the only way it can get there is a droid that's rolling across the desert. Right. And then I find out that this scavenger girl can conveniently speak droid. And it's like, oh, well, that cuts out the protocol droid serving as translator. (laughs) <laughs> just cut out the middleman. Yeah, exactly. Make it make it make it super chill and it's just like, "Oh, you speak droid. That's convenient." Like there are, there are some things like that, but I don't know if it necessarily counts as a hang up because I still enjoy the film. Right. You know, I still enjoy watching Ray basically gliding down a sand dune, you know? I I enjoy seeing that, that childish, impish nature, but then when BB-8's in trouble, you know, she gets real stern with Tito and, and gets, gets, you know, very, very abrasive, almost. And so even with some similarities to the movie, the characters and the way they carry the story are different enough that it's not like what the Lion King did to its 1994 predecessor, where it's basically like newer and flashier, but it's the exact same lines being carried out just by different voices and on a different stage. Right. That is a reboot.
2: Absolutely.
1: that is That is a full-fledged reboot. If you're trying to talk about The Force Awakens being a reboot of A New Hope... I I would dare say go back through the entire script and try and find me one line that is exactly the same line that you get from a new hope there is not a reboot in in any essence of the way that this movie is written the overarching storyline is meant to remind us of certain elements of a new hope but I don't think that qualifies as a reboot the 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 one glaring area that that really is meant to you know distinguish the similarities and simultaneously the differences is when they're strategizing about what to do about Star Killer base right cuz at one point somebody's like so it's basically another death star and then somebody else says i wish that were so this is the death star this is Starkiller base. I like I've, I I like
2: that moment specifically because I feel like if you're going to do this, you have to acknowledge the similarity. You, right. you have to a right. characters real people in that situation would go, this is another Death Star. What are you doing? What's happening here? That's exactly what would happen in reality. So like I feel like that was yeah. a purposeful like okay, wink wink nudge nudge. Yes, this is the same thing happening again. But we're acknowledging it, so maybe you'll like it a bit better.
1: Well, and then even then when they're actually attacking Starkiller Base, there's a point where they're talking about how the weapon will be charged in 30 minutes. Right. In A New Hope, you had the weapons range, you know, when you get into orbit around Yavin, you get within weapons range in 30 minutes. You still have that time crunch,
3: but it's a different
1: type of time crunch. It's a different type of pressure. And cinematically, it's also different because Starkiller Base is basically draining its own sun. So rather than just, you know, waiting for the planet to get out of the way, you are literally watching your sun die. S-U-N, not (laughs) S-O-N. You're watching the sun die. And it proves to be a really big moment in Kylo Ren's character. So not only does, you know, the sun's power being extinguished... Serve the purpose of the time crunch at Starkiller Base and the similarities to the Death Star. But at the same time, we talked about this during our last commentary that lasted, like, four hours. <laughs> yeah. Like, I swear, that was still one of the longest podcast episodes I've ever done, if not the longest. But, you know, not only does the the Sun's expiration set a time crunch on the Resistance... But it also serves its cinematic purpose by recognizing that the light has gone out of Kylo Ren, and at that moment is when he kills his father. Yeah. Now that that
2: whole scene is like and that the way they use it is nothing short of magnificent. Like they they're, oh, it's brilliant. there's So much stuff. And that's It's so brilliant. That's why I can never get behind, like, the whole idea. It's just a remake of A New Hope. It's not. Yes, I get it. And, and to a certain extent, yes, I agree with those complaints, and I agree, and even to this day, it can kind of irk me or bother me a bit that we couldn't have got some newer stuff. Like, just, hypoth- just for example, you know, the X-Wings versus TIE Fighters in this movie. Like, I would have loved to have seen a completely new ship design. We've seen TIE Fighters, we've seen X-Wings, let's see something different. I would love to see something completely new. Uh... But I, I still get why they were trying to invoke those things. And yes, we've seen X-Wings and TIE Fighters, but that doesn't mean that we're seeing the same movie over again. There was no BB-8 in A New Hope. There was no runaway stormtrooper who realizes he's on the wrong side and, and defects. There was no scavenger with fledgling Jedi powers that lives in an ATAT in A New Hope. Like, there was none of that. There was no conflicted dark side user who just happens to be the son of older heroes. Like, there's so many concepts and things in Force Awakens that it gets right and it does so brilliantly on its own and something so new that you have to give it credit. And I think the whole narrative of, like, oh, it's a remake, oh, it's too similar, I think I think you have to give it credit for what's different about it. I think you really have to focus on those things and give it all the credit for doing so many things right. I think it gets more things right and does more new things than it does going back to the well of Star Wars iconography. Um, you know, I agree. Maybe Force Awakens could have been an even better movie if it hadn't been trying to invoke so many things from the original trilogy, but we've got a pretty damn good movie, just as it is, and it's it was meant to do that, and that we could move on to new things as we're getting with, as we got with Last Jedi, you know, and regardless if you think the right path or the wrong path was taken with that movie, it still was different, and it was going in new directions, because Force Awakens had already covered everything in regards to the nostalgia of it, and it was about moving forward, and hopefully Rise of Skywalker will feel, continue that too. But... Force Awakens does so many unique and interesting things with its characters that you it, it, it's foolish to ignore them.
1: I, I would agree to that. And I think that was the thing that, that kind of really helped set everything apart was, yes, we've got some of these original characters like Han and Chewie and Leia who are helping us remember where we've come from. But then you've got some really great new characters like Poe and Finn and Ray and Kylo who are the ones that are ushering in, you know, where we're going next. Right. And these are complicated characters. These are characters who, you know, have a, a lot of depth to them, that have a lot of complexity to them, that sometimes people don't give them enough credit for. But... You know, when you're when you're thinking about someone like Poe Dameron, you know, he comes across as kind of a jockey flyboy. But he also proves to be one of the most strong minded and strong willed individuals we've ever met because he was able to resist drugs and mind probes the same way Princess Leia was in A New Hope. And the only way you were able to get anything out of him was From, you know, having it forcibly removed by a Force user. And even then, he resisted that quite a bit as well. Yeah. So, he may come across as a flyboy, but he's a really tough, really strong dude. And then you were talking about the Stormtrooper that Defects. That is a story that we've never seen before. Except maybe, like, one episode of The Clone Wars, The Deserter. Like, that's the closest we've ever come to something like that. And so it's a completely new story, a completely new concept. And yet his trooper designation is a number that we're all very familiar with. F N two one eight seven. Yeah. I love that. I, I loved that little nod because you know that twenty one eighty seven is not just some random collection of numbers that they just kind of came up no. with. Oh no. And like they did not they did not just think that up and then they go back and watch a new hope and they're like, Oh, that was an accident. No. Totally wasn't an accident. They knew that that's what Leia's cell block was on the Death Star 1, and they put it in there, anyways, just to give you a tiny
2: little Easter egg. And, and boy, what an Easter egg. And I, I just love the whole thing with Finn. I, I, he's one of my favorite characters from the new era just because his journey has been so unique and so, you know, just so out there in regards to, like, something we've never seen before. And, you know, him. Getting his name, and you know, and the way that happens with Poe, and um, you know, him learning to become a hero, and you know, his whole journey in Force Awakens, I think, is amazing. Going from this guy who knows, who realizes he's in, he's on the wrong side, and, and runs away, and continues to want to run away until he's backed into a corner and starts to have feelings for someone else, maybe not romantic feelings, but I think. Maybe yeah, you know, I think there's some stuff in Force Awakens to say that you know he he might want
1: to be more than friends with Ray. He was interested. He was interested. You you don't yeah. ask. You like when when Ray's fixing the Falcon. He's like, why are you so interested in going back to Jakku? You got a boyfriend? Got a cute boyfriend? Like exactly. he's not saying that teasingly. He's saying that because he's interested if there's any competition. Guys don't ask that to be teasing. They ask that because they're concerned about the competition. Right. So I
2: think you know, and even even that aside, like, he cares about Ray because Ray cares about him. Because neither yeah. of those characters have had any love in their lives, but either, you know, platonic or otherwise. Like to people that really need someone and that's why they're brought together and when he's backed into a corner and Ray is threatened he opens it up and he's not afraid of Kylo Ren like and I love that scene at the end where he just, op- he, he just goes full on and attacks him like if you notice Kylo Ren doesn't attack him he attacks Kylo Ren this is the guy that was trying to run away at the end that was talking about how he was terrified of what the First Order could do He's running at at a guy that is obviously way outmatched. Like he can't stand up to Kylo Ren, but he didn't care. Um, I love his whole journey. You know, it's it's great.
1: He chooses to run towards danger when the chips are down.
2: Exactly.
1: And that that's something that distinguishes heroes from regular people. Yeah. He knows that he doesn't have the Force. He knows that he doesn't have great fighting abilities. He got bested by a storm trooper with a stun baton for crying out loud. Yeah. Like, like he knows that he's outmatched, but he still puts up a valiant effort anyway, because he's trying to protect his friend. Right.
2: Exactly.
1: And you know, yeah, yeah. He's great.
2: I love Poe and, and Ray, I think is a character that, yeah, you can make, those connections about, oh, she's kind of a female Luke, and, and you know, admittedly she is kind of, she's trying to evoke that she's a young person, kind of on the edge of adolescence and is growing up, and is living on a desert planet, like, you can draw a lot of comparisons there, but what's different about her is that she's on this desert planet, completely alone and she doesn't want to leave like, she's terrified to leave because she keeps telling herself that her family's gonna come back And that's completely different from Luke or Anakin, two characters that grew up and wanted to get out and wanted to see the galaxy. She's the exact opposite. She's her own worst enemy. She wants to stay. She wants to continue living this awful life on this desert planet when she knows deep down that she doesn't need to be here, and and she gets the wake-up call, especially from, from Oz, who... Tell her, look, you're 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 not supposed to be here. You you your belonging is ahead of you. What you can accomplish, great things, and the people that you're waiting for, they're not coming back for you. They don't care about you. They're filthy junk traders that sold you off for drinking money. It ain't happening, girl. Just go
1: go live your life. Can we also just give a little bit of a shout out to Maz Kanata? What a fantastic character. And a, a vitally underused character, I should say. Uh, underused in this movie and even lesser used in The Last Jedi. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, again, when you're trying to draw comparisons, the cantina in Moss Isley was very unfriendly. No droids and whatever. Mos mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kanata's cantina, t- completely different vibe. Totally different types of conversations being held there and just a lot more mystery and lore associated with, you know, a place that has stood for a thousand years. It's, it's just, it's very, very different from what you would get from anywhere else. And Maz is a character unlike really anyone else, which just adds to the dynamic of, you know, new characters versus old characters versus a character that is new to you, but is physically very old. You know, there's, there's a lot of really interesting components that kind of blend together in uh, in Takodana. And it's it's fun to it's fun to watch.
2: Yeah, I love that they kind of she is kind of the Yoda type character that you you don't know really her species. You don't know where she came from. She's obviously lived a long time. Like she's her castle has been there operating for over a thousand years. So that means she's older than that, which is crazy, but I, I just lo- I love her character, and the, the fact that she is, like you said, she's seemingly a Force user, seemingly the, someone who has all this wisdom and knows about the Force, but is not a Jedi, is not someone who would have been maybe targeted by Order 66 or whatever, kind of lived through this whole thing, and is existing, and, and comes to Rey at a very crucial time, and I, I just love that about her character, and as I said, I, I I would love to see more of her. Apparently, she's in The Rise of Skywalker. Colopita Yango Yango um, just recently said, yes, hey, I'm in the movie. I I'm really am in the movie. And So I hope she's right. I hope we get some good Maz stuff because she's a fantastic character.
1: She really is. She really is. And actually, I think it's, it's the stuff that happens on Takodana that is some of my favorite parts of the movie. I know I said mm-hmm. that when we got to that sequence the second time around, I was fallen asleep, but I don't think it was because (laughs) that stuff was slow or that it was boring, but because I had been on the road for like 10 hours, and then just sat through a two and a half hour movie, and then was sitting down again in a dark room, like, what do you think's gonna happen? (laughs) Right.
2: And, and, you know, it's, it's, I think Force Awakens is a very fast-paced movie. Extremely fast-paced. It hardly ever slows down, but it does slow down on Taco and I think is it's a credit to the pacing that it doesn't feel it doesn't really feel rushed you, after you get done watching you're like wow okay that was that was a lot to take in in a short amount of time but it still feels right and it stops in good places and Takodana is one of them where it's kind of like okay take a, take a deep breath take in this all in and you know rays learning a lot about herself a lot of stuff happens on Takodana you know you get there you're learning more about Han, you're learning more about Rey. she has her whole force vision. she you know runs away. The, the first order attacks like it's a lot of stuff happening and it's a great sequence.
1: Yeah, it is. It really is. And if we're if we're talking about favorite moments, that is probably I would probably pick that as my favorite moment. I do love the moment where she calls for the lightsaber on Starkiller Base and it comes to her, like, obviously, that's, that's, that's classic, right. that's iconic, it's, it's phenomenal. But uh, I really think, visually, one of the things that I really loved about The Force Awakens in general was the idea of having starfighter combat in atmosphere. Yes. We really exactly. don't have a whole lot of uh, you know, starfighter type of action in the stars. It feels more like a World War II dogfight happening over an alien planet. It does. It it does have that feeling. It, it it it's really, really fun to watch because you're definitely catching those those warlike elements from those war movies. Uh but you're putting like a really creative Star Wars spin on it. And none more so than when Poe leads the resistance into Takadana and registers what I counted yesterday to be a total of 17 kills in under three minutes. Nice. I That scene.
2: That's one hell of a pilot. It's just oh it's my so gosh. exhilarating. That's probably my like, favorite moment. He's, he's just like, boom, explosion, explosion. I love the whole lead up to that. I love the. Is the resistance? I love that because, like, the entire movie up until that point has been the heroes running away from the First Order, and the First Order being this dominant force. Yeah. And this and this is one moment where the Resistance starts pushing back, and, <laughs> and it, and it starts. <laughs> the Resistance March. John Williams, you nail it again
1: with that march. <laughs> oh, so good. Man.
2: But uh mm-hmm. and just that whole scene like establishes and and puts the first order on the run. Like the resistance wins that battle pretty easily. And yep. it's 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 just a great moment that kind of establishes that, you know, yeah, the resistance is, you know, this kind of underdog place, but they're still a formidable force until they get blown to pieces in the next movie, but <laughs> we won't get to that.
1: Yeah. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks.
2: But still great scene.
1: I think I think if, if I had to pick, like, a favorite single line or something. Here's the thing. This movie is highly memeable. Oh, hell yeah.
2: Traitor! How long? How long?
1: We're still, I'm still seeing traitor memes. Oh, man. But I think one of my favorite memeable elements is when they finally infiltrate Starkiller base. And Finn is like, we'll figure it out. We'll use the force. And Han just looks at him and he's like... That's not how the force works. (laughs) Like, he's so mad. He's like, there's an entire galaxy of people counting on us, and you were a trash picker? That's not how the
2: force works. And it's so awesome that Han Solo is the one to say that. Like, Mm -hmm. it's such a Han Solo line, but it's like, Han Solo is talking about the force and how it doesn't work.
1: Like, my God. Right, and what kind of character development does that speak to looking back at A New Hope, where he basically said it's all a lot of simple tricks and nonsense. And now he's looking at a character going, that's not how this works. As if he's some sort of expert on the subject. <laughs> I love it. I love that old scene. It's it's so interesting. Um, but, but before we go to... Um, like, favorite new character. I just kind of want to touch on Kylo Ren's character in general. Yeah. Be- because while he may not necessarily be my favorite new character, this movie really showcases not only the depth of Adam Driver's acting, but the depth of Kylo Ren's character in general. Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of things he's capable of, what kind of ambitions he has... Where his loyalties lie, his leadership qualities, his fighting style. Like, we learn so, so much about him in such a short amount of time that it it just proves to be one of the more commanding presences and one of the more interesting storylines to follow throughout the course of the film.
2: Exactly. And, I mean, we forget that he did this movie, like, a large majority of it, behind a mask. Now right. we're we're watching The Mandalorian now, and we're all like, "Oh, you know, Pedro Pascal is such a badass. Like he's he's able to convey all this emotion and all this kind of stuff under a mask. We haven't seen his face. Adam Driver did it before; it was cool. Like he he yep. nailed it with this. Like he does get a ch- get a chance to take his mask off at the end or or in the interrogation scene. But like up until that point, there's so much stuff happens. You know, we basically find out his lineage, we find out that he is the son of Han and Leia. he is the, the grandson of Darth Vader, we see him talking to the the helmet, and that whole thing, I, I do like, I have, obviously it's not perfect, and it hasn't been as fleshed out as I want it to be, but they're obviously bringing back the Darth Vader helmet and stuff like that, in Rise of Skywalker, but overall, I love the fact that we're having yet another Darth Vader figure, and it feels... Kylo just feels like a natural progression of the story. It feels like a, yeah, the grandson of Darth Vader would have issues. He would have a lot of stuff on his plate and have a lot of stuff to deal with, and he might even make a lot of the same bad choices that his grandfather did and would end up as someone like him. And the fact that he has the Vader mask and he, he he's basically worshipping Vader, and it's just incredible. And Adam Driver is an amazing actor and he does it so brilliantly and really just a standout character and one of the more interesting characters. You wouldn't expect the villain of all people to be one of the more sympathetic characters in this trilogy, but Kylo Ren is that.
1: Well, I think part of the thing that makes him so intriguing is partially the sympathy, but also partially what he's capable of. Because we don't really know a whole lot about him, and we learn basically who Kylo Ren is. not just what his lineage is, but who he is as a person as the movie unfolds. He's capable of temper tantrums, but he doesn't kill people the way Vader did. He takes it out on the computer consoles. You know what I mean? Like, we, we still see him getting upset, but he doesn't take it out on his people we see his creativity in the sense that he is the first person that we've ever seen in Star Wars with a crossguard saber. Right. And so, you know, we're we're naturally kind of drawn to stuff that is new. That's why we were so drawn to uh, Darth Maul back in the 90s. First time we ever saw a double-bladed saber. Similar principle. But I think the thing that really stood out to me were some of his force abilities, namely his ability to basically merge minds with people using the force. Right. It's not quite the whole weak-minded fool waving your hand across their head. It's more like a probe. You know, he's reaching uh. in and pulling out tidbits of information, pulling out secrets. It's a very it's a very intimate act, but also it it's very volatile in nature. It violates you and who you are by infiltrating the depth of your persona just by using a, a force grip on your mind. You know, and it's it's a very interesting principle to to have that kind of ability that most of us really hadn't seen. You know, it took like four Jedi Masters to try and infiltrate and, and, and convince the mind of Cad Bane. And yet here's this guy who's in his 20s turned away from the Jedi, turned to the dark side, leading an army and has the ability to pull thoughts from people's heads just by using the force like this is a powerful character that we're dealing with and I think people lose sight of that sometimes.
2: Yeah, I love that like Kylo is like an extrapolation or like another step up in like force abilities in regards to we know we knew for a long time, since a new hope, that Jedi have the power to influence people's thoughts. They can dip in people's minds. They can read minds. Kylo takes it to the next level of I can just straight up pull stuff out of your head. I can get inside your mind and like mess you up and really make it hard for you. And then going to one of my favorite force powers that he has, which is the freeze thing, which he can freeze you know, laser blasts in the exactly. air. He can freeze people. Exactly. We've known for so long that Jedi can use the Force to grip people and throw things around, like having an ability like that where literally just freeze someone. And then he actually puts Rey to sleep, like with a snap of his fingers. Like, he is incredibly powerful. He And he exhibits so many new things. And I think... That's something that I think The Force Awakens does right in so many ways is that it's continuing our understanding of the Force and totally pushes that forward in regards to this is not stuff you've seen before. This is completely right. new. Right out of the gate, he freezes that laser blast and you're Ugh. like, oh crap. That's like one this of my is, favorite shots in the whole movie. This is something completely new. That's when you knew like this movie was not messing around.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean like – We've seen blaster bolts get deflected before and even like deflected in such a way that they bounce back towards the person and it like jams their gun or hits them in the hand or something. But we've never really seen anybody reach out with the force and hold that charged bit of plasma in the middle of the air and just leave it there until you're done with it. And when the troopers go over and grab Poe and, like, bring him over to interrogate him, they do that panning shot where you're actually watching him walk past the the blast that he let go of. And it's still just holding place there. And then yeah. he, like, conducts a part of the interrogation. Like, he he, he, he talks to Poe in the courtyard. And during that whole conversation he's still using his powers to hold on to the blaster bolt.
2: He's just, like, walking around, and it's just, like, still hanging there.
1: <laughs> it's it's crazy. It It's such a cool power. I love that power. Uh, if anything, that's probably one of my favorite new elements of Star Wars, is knowing that there's somebody out there that possesses the ability to freeze a blaster bolt in its place and... And then just go about your day, basically, until you're done with mm-hmm. it. And you're like, oh, yeah, I guess I need to let go of this. And just, boom Like, yeah. what even? Just, again, I guess that's it's a, a testament to the creative storytelling. But also, you know, the people who work on the mythology of Star Wars. Is this even something that we can do? Yeah, I guess it is. All right, let's write it into the next movie. We're going to do that. And that's what they did, among many other things, with The Force Awakens. Yeah, exactly, exactly,
2: and that's just, you know, Kylo Ren, like, look at where this character has come, and all the speculation about what's going to happen to him in Rise of Skywalker, what's he going to do, is he going to get redeemed, and stuff like that, people love this character, people are very invested in where he's going to go, and it all starts with Force Awakens, in establishing this conflicted villain, that is doing all this stuff, and even at the end of this movie, kills his father, kills one of the most iconic beloved characters of all time, his father, Han Solo, still managed to you know, make it with audiences to the point where people still want him to be redeemed. People are still like, hey, I'm in this guy's camp, I want him to still do the right thing in the end. Um, I think that's a testament to how
1: much this character has resonated with the audience. That's another good point, man. It's a very good point. And the the depth of the characters in general is one thing that i feel like can be overlooked sometimes because it's got such great music and it's got such a a great visual component which we talked about earlier and you know it, it's got so many things going for it that a lot of times the acting kind of gets forgotten sometimes yeah and it's a, it's a very well acted very well directed movie
2: it is it's it's probably one of the most well acted, or the most well
1: acted movie in Star Wars. Honestly, I think I'm, I would have a hard time disagreeing with that because there are some characters in other movies that feel very stocky and rigid in nature. But it's almost like all of the characters in this movie embraced who they were at some point in some time, you know, at some moment, and that moment proved, you know, really convincing about their character and who they were. I'm thinking mostly characters like Hux or Leia. Yeah. You know, yeah. they have these moments that are like either defining or redefining and it just kind of helps sets the tone for who you expect these characters to be now because of how they respond to things in this movie.
2: Yeah. and And just like thinking about like just the acting overall, like the original trilogy I think was good. I think there's some, Good performances. Great performances, actually. But I think it's not, like, known for the acting. It's known for, okay, it's Star Wars. It's, like, this great mythology. and People love the story. With the prequels, obviously, it kind of went downhill with the acting. Let's just be honest here. But the sequels, I think, just elevated everything. Like, it really, like, the way they cast it. Everyone is great. Everyone is great in their roles. And there's just some standout performances. Case in point, one of the best acted scenes, I think, in all of Star Wars is the interrogation scene with Rey and Kylo and those oh, two just yeah. playing off each other, you know, going back and forth between them. And Rey, so fearful, then turning that into this confidence that she can beat Kylo. It's just, it's amazing.
1: Well, it's interesting because it, at, at Mazza's castle, she really doesn't want to have anything to do with the lightsaber or with the force in general, but... When she's got her back pressed up against the wall, uh, literally and figuratively sometimes, she actually starts to prove just how strong she is. And that strength sometimes comes across a little dark at times. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've we seen the, the promo shots of the Dark Ray. We believe it to be, you know, like a vision or something. But, you know, she's not this completely good person because if you watch her fighting style at the end of this movie it actually kind of resembles Emperor Palpatine's fighting style a little bit. Kind of does. There there are some moments where she's, she's very aggressive and has like one shot that comes from over the top of her head she has one that's like a jab in the heart area like almost a stab with the lightsaber. And some of those types of fighting styles uh greatly resemble a more aggressive Sith fighting style and then when she's being interrogated, she basically turns the tables on him and is like, "Yeah, you're preying on my fears well, guess what bitch, I can do it to you too <laughs> exactly so oh, I love it Ray's character super deep, super fun to watch this whole movie's fun to watch you know the ultimately the question that we talked about at the top of this discussion is. Does it hold up four years later? And I think absolutely it does. Yeah. I think there's always something different that can resonate from this. Whether it's the the very Nazi like speech that uh, Hux gives that now shows up in Star Wars Resistance, you know, it can be right. it can be an analyzation of the choreography and the fighting styles. It can be an analyzation of the music and comparing and contrasting Williams' scores to other films. It can be how well it sets things up for The Last Jedi and eventually how it might set things up for The Rise of Skywalker, but this movie set the stage, set the tone, and Star Wars as a franchise has taken off and run with that, and now all of that gets to come home in a few short weeks with the conclusion of the story that we got starting back in 2015.
2: Exactly. Come full circle and we're, we, we were talking about the beginning of the story and now we're about to see the end of
1: this story so when we're talking about favorite new character I think I'm actually going to have to renege my previous comments because looking back at The Last Jedi consistently across the board I feel like Kylo Ren's character kind of shows to be a little bit more consistent than some other characters over the two films mm-hmm. that's just my opinion but I do think that he's probably my favorite new character, just all that he's capable of, all that he's done and accomplished, all the things that he's been through, which is what we learn about in the next movie. You know, there's a there's a lot of depth to his character that I really enjoy fleshing out. So, I think my new favorite character actually is Kylo Ren. Now that we've talked about it,
2: yeah, yeah, I I really love Kylo. For me, I'm gonna go Finn. Finn is a character, and, and- in looking at both films that we have, yes, I do have a few issues with his overall progress as a character. Yeah, based on his, the Last
1: Jedi. his progression in the Last Jedi was is like the one reason why I didn't pick him. Because if I'm looking at it strictly from the Force Awakens, Finn might actually have an edge because of the the decisions that he makes in the Force Awakens, the friends that he makes, you know how how brave he is at the end of that movie. But some of the stuff that he does in The Last Jedi, I'm just like, eh but we'll talk about that another time.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. And but just taking Force Awakens, I love Finn's journey, as I said. Going I do too. from Stormtrooper, scare Stormtrooper to to a hero who is willing to give it all, basically, for the greater good and for for, for Rey is just a wonderful journey. And just the fact that he's so unique. Like, even Kylo Ren is not necessarily a completely original concept. We've seen Dark Jedi before. We've seen good guys go bad. It's the whole, a stormtrooper, as we've seen them for six films. One finally took their mask off. And we actually see under the helmet and see who they are and understand that there's real people under there. And sometimes they make the right choices and realize that they're part of a cog in a system that they shouldn't be. And I just love his whole journey, and you know I hope he gets a, again I hope he gets a really good ending in Rise of Skywalker because I feel like he's a fantastic character. And John Boyega has actually been talking about that recently that he, I don't even think he was too happy with what happened in last Jedi. So I think he was he has gone on record to say that he's was very adamant about Finn having a large role in Rise of Skywalker, which I'm very excited for.
1: Well, I mean we know that he's guaranteed to say the word "woo" at least one point. At in least
2: once, at least once, at least Guaranteed. once per movie.
1: At least once per movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's, that's gonna it. that's gonna become the new Wilhelm scream is finding out when John Boyega screams out
2: Woo! There's one guarantee with the 2022 Star Wars film: We only have at least one cameo from him. Of of and he'll of just even... walk
1: in. He'll just walk into frame and go Woo! and he'll walk away. <laughs> <laughs> or they or they integrate it like they did with the Wilhelm scream, you know maybe yeah. you maybe you hear it and it's like coming out of someone else's voice and you're like no that's that's finn you idiot <laughs> love it i love it uh so we're gonna take a short break here and then come back with our uh final thoughts on the evening uh it's been a really really fun discussion but this was more of a revisit of the force awakens not necessarily a shot by shot discussion so uh We'll take a break here, come back with final thoughts and our planet scores for this discussion of Star Wars The Force Awakens. This is IPC.
3: How's it going, everybody? It's me, Jake, and this is my review, my thoughts on The Force Awakens. So, obviously, a lot of expectation was put upon this movie, probably more than any movie in history. It had to follow up, uh, you know, 30-plus th- years of, of Star Wars content, you know, almost 40 years, and it had to live up to the hype. And, and I think I was more excited for this movie than than anybody. I was just so ready for episode seven, and we all were. We all were. Um, but I got to say, coming out of the movie the first time, I think I was a little bit underwhelmed, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I'm not sure what I was expecting, but I think I was just really... I, my expectations were through the roof. And... It lasted for a couple of years, that feeling, and not until around the last year or two had I re-watched The Force Awakens after a while of not seeing it with fresh eyes, and I was very surprised by my new reaction to the movie. I really, really enjoyed it. It, it, it launched up my list of rewatchable Star Wars movies, like, as far as how much I re- want to re-watch them, and... All of a sudden, the story seemed richer, the characters seemed more fun. And I just really, really loved the movie. Uh, and I've seen it a couple times since then, even, and both times have been, you know, or two or three times, whatever, however many times I've seen it since then. it's it's been the same. I've really, really dug this movie and uh, I'm so glad that we we got it. and I look at it with a whole fresh, fresh look. And whereas I would have given it like a 7 out of 10 maybe, huh, for episode 7, before I would give it like an 8 or a 9 now. It's just, it really turned around for me. And uh, I highly recommend watching it if you haven't seen it. But of course you've seen it because it's Star Wars The Force Awakens. Uh, and I can't believe we're within a month of The Rise of Skywalker. I can't believe it's here. We've We will have gotten our trilogy within... 30 days and I'm very excited. So those are my thoughts on The Force Awakens. Thanks for letting me weigh in and have a great day. May the Force be with you always.
1: Back, wrapping up our discussion of The Force Awakens, and kind of wrapping up this uh, this little episode here of the IPC podcast. Before we do, though, a quick shout out to all the people that help make this podcast possible. People like Joey Mays, Jake Damon, Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous, Parker Ott, and Carrie Fleming. They are the uh, financial contributors to this program. Help us with our subscription to Podbean. Help us with movie tickets. Uh, help us with promotional material and all kinds of other stuff like that so thank you for helping us keep the lights on if you will and if you're interested in becoming a patron then simply go look at patron.podbean.com forward ipc podcast we've got really really low levels the the most you contribute per month is like five bucks a month and that gets you a whole lot of really awesome content And it's just one fewer pumpkin spice latte per month.
2: Come on, you don't need that expensive
1: crap. You really don't need that, but you do need access to our super secret patrons-only Facebook group and gives you some exclusive content, some behind-the-scenes looks at our daily lives and uh, some of the things that we might talk about over there that we might not talk about. On uh, on the podcast. So and as we
2: did just a couple weeks ago, we planned an entire show just like within a few hours in that group. So uh-huh. if, if you want in on that, you definitely need to get in on it.
1: So go check that out. Patreon.podbean.com forward slash IPC podcast. All right. Let's move into final thoughts and planet scores. Ben final thoughts and your score out of 10 for The Force Awakens
0: okay
2: so final thoughts for me is is basically uh, I love this movie I adore this movie I, if I had to rank and I never rank Star Wars films I usually refuse to I think I'd put it in probably my top 5 Star Wars films um, it's just that important to me it's, it's a really it brings back so many great memories just as a film like uh, you know every time I watch it I brought back to 2015 as I've said and brought back to those moments. But just as a film, it's so thrilling, it's so funny, it's so, you know, it's so exciting, and it really hits all those notes. And I think for all the things that people complain about this movie, I think I actually love it for that. I love the fact that it brings back those familiar elements, it, it brings back those characters, and the Chewy We're Home moment to, you know, you changed your hair, same jacket, like that whole stuff and the d- dynamic and then leading up to Luke showing up at the end is just, it's a magnificent piece of cinema and it really is this great little gem in star Wars. that I think, I think it's only going to get more appreciation as the years go on, but I certainly appreciate it. I love it. And I'm going to have to watch it again after this because I'm hyped and it's been a while, but, yeah. uh, for me, I'm gonna give it an I'm gonna give it an 8.5 out of 10. All
1: righty, uh, you know what? I think I'm actually gonna follow suit. Um, and, and 8.5 feels pretty appropriate. Um, I, I'd have to go back and look at what kind of scores I'd give to other movies. I've actually forgotten what kind of ratings I've given to other movies. <laughs> yeah, I would be curious to know, um, like, what kind of ratings
2: we had. We gave it the the time we. Last spoke about this movie. Yeah, like our initial reactions. I got to listen to that again.
1: It's probably in the eight to nine region, though. To be completely honest,
2: we I think we we were really hyped. We loved this movie. I think first we we were very. I think our our opinion really couldn't go any higher because I think we were really hyped on this.
1: Well, we were just very high on Star Wars content. The fact that we had a live action Star Wars movie to talk about in person together, you know, that was just a very thrilling and exciting element of being able to had the opportunity to dissect every last little nuance and we got like the the visual guidebook and had that in the room when we were doing the podcasting and would pull up different pages and stuff just to make sure that we had our facts right and gave some really awesome speculation some really awesome commentaries and so you know i i I think i think i might actually bump this up to a nine because Mm. not only was the movie so great but the experience was so great too you know, the the whole road tripping out there, uh, watching the movie with people who were interested in watching it, talking about it for hours on end, you know, the, the fellowship involved in Star Wars, it, that was something that I'd never really experienced before. And it's only something that I get to experience with you guys when it comes to watching Star Wars. And so that's part of why I'm so excited about California is I've kind of been missing that, Traveling memory making opportunity because I didn't make it out for solo, which I'm still bummed about. Didn't make it out for celebration because the timing wasn't very good. And so, this is my chance, and I'm really excited about that. And you know, that type of excitement only comes from really good previous memories. And I've got some awesome memories from watching The Force Awakens with some awesome people. You know, part of it is that quote unquote nostalgia that you're talking about. Because not only did I enjoy the film, but I enjoyed watching the film with certain people. Yeah. And so it it was just a great experience overall. And I'm I'm gonna give it a nine.
2: That is totally fair
1: and I think warranted. I think so. I think it's I I think it's I think it makes sense. At least I hope it makes sense. Um, sometimes you just have to experience things for yourself and uh, and this is definitely one that's, that's worth experiencing if you have the opportunity to watch The Rise of Skywalker with other super interested Star Wars fans in your community I would highly recommend it it's just more fun when you're watching it with people that are also interested in watching it with you not the casual fans, not the people that are going just because it's got the name Star Wars in it but the people who are genuinely invested in the franchise and interested in investing in each other—it's it's just a totally different ballgame that way.
2: Yeah, I would I would love at this point to invite everyone listening to come see it at the Chinese theater with us. But apparently that's sold out now, so <laughs> so it's a full house. Suck it! But but uh, go find another theater. There's plenty of theaters out there. Get one that's full of excited fans and not one that's full of people that's going to shush you when you start cheering. Oh, man. uh, Yeah, don't want that
1: to happen. That's happened before, (laughs) and it's not fun. But it didn't happen at the Chinese theater, so I'm looking forward to that. Nope, nope, indeed. Um, Before we get uh, too far away, I almost forgot one element that we usually do. Uh, It's the Quote of the Night And I'm not really going to stand on much pomp and circumstance here because the quote kind of speaks for itself. Uh, It's a really compelling quote. It's really powerful. It's one of the most intriguing and thought-provoking scenes of the whole film. And it really helps kind of stretch the imagination and generated a lot of really great conversation and discussion. Uh, The first time you see it, the second time you see it, the 17th time you see it. It's just one of those that you just want to keep talking about. So I'm going to stop talking about it and let you start listening to it as we give you guys tonight's quote of the night.
0: I shouldn't have gone in there. That lightsaber was Luke's and his father's before him. And now it calls to you. I have to get back to Jack. Han told me. Dear child, I see your eyes. You already know the truth. Whomever you're waiting for on Jakku... ...they're never coming back. But... ...there's someone who still could. Look... ...the belonging you seek is not behind you. It is ahead. I am no Jedi, but I know the Force. It moves through and surrounds every living thing. Close your eyes. Feel it. The light. It's always been there. It will guide you. The saber. Take it. I'm never touching that thing again. I don't want any part of this. You...
1: So if I remember my trivia correctly, didn't they actually get Ewan McGregor back for like one or two words in this vision? They did.
2: They really did. Like
1: they, they brought him back just for that.
2: Well, it was actually Ewan McGregor and Alec Guinness because you hear, when you hear Ray, when he says Ray, these are your first steps, the Ray part is Alec Guinness, and they cut that out of him saying, afraid, I think. And then, Ian Oh, McGregor wow. Followed it up with new lines that said, these are your first steps. So that's why it, it sounds like this fluid, kind of like, you start with older Obi-Wan and go into the younger Obi-Wan, which, like, what that could actually mean for, like, force ghosts and stuff like that, it's, uh, really cool. But, uh, I also really like the second part of that scene, which is the, you know, getting the reaction from Maz and her whole kind of pep talk to Rey, and it really, it sets up her character. It sets her up, and I feel like a lot of the questions that people are asking still are kind of answered in this movie. Like, it's it's not about, like, oh, Luke's your father, or Han's your father, or your parents are important. Maz just lays it out to her and says, hey, look, you, you keep wanting to go back to Jakku. That's not going to happen. Those people don't matter anymore. They don't care about you. They, they they left you, but you have a path before you. You The lightsaber called to you. It wants you. You just need to pick it up and take it, and you can do great things. And I love that message. I love that Maz, it's all there, but I think we as the audience, I think we're kind of hesitant to it. And I think Ray herself is hesitant to pick up the lightsaber and take it, of course. And it, and she, it costs her dearly because if she had taken the lightsaber – Things would have gone completely different. It
1: probably would have.
2: She would have fought Kylo there, maybe even defeated him there. Could have the whole rest of the trilogy could have been different, but because she rejected the lightsaber, she gets captured. She has to go through all that. They have to go rescue her, like it's it's the whole thing. And for all the people that are saying that Rey never makes mistakes, this is one. This is one right here where she makes a critical mistake that that caught that costs her a lot of grief. And you know, it's it's a it's an important moment for her that. She's hearing stuff that she needs to hear, but she doesn't want to hear it.
1: Yeah, and uh, that's that's not even a, a conversation that we really had the time to have. But uh, that's just maybe, one
2: little tangent. <laughs> this maybe is one little tiny tangent.
1: Maybe sometime during the Last Jedi, we can bring up this whole Mary Sue idea that people yeah. are tossing about on the internet. But yeah, don't know not. if we have time for that tangent tonight. We have one more segment that we need to talk about before we get off the air and uh, we're just going to go ahead and dive right into it. I'm not going to stand on pomp and circumstance because I've been waiting to talk about this since I talked about going on the road trip.
0: <laughs> oh, my
1: gosh. It's time for Barbecue Watch, folks. Barbecue. 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 barbecue barbecue
0: Barbecue it. Barbecue it. Barbecue it. barbecue Barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce. Barbecue. barbecue. It's barbecue.
1: It's barbecue. Barbecue. Watch. <laughs> Holy crap. I'm just going to talk about this because to this day, believe me, I have had a lot of barbecue in my day. A lot of barbecue in my day. That That's not to brag and that's not to like make the vegans pissed off or anything like that. I've just had a lot of barbecue in my day. All right, Texas is known for its barbecue. And they make some really great barbecue and they have some really great barbecue restaurants. But to this day, 4 years later, I still swear up and down every time I even have chicken wings that somewhat resemble the the juiciness of those ribs that I had. But oh my gosh, to this day, Rob's barbecue on the side <laughs> is still, without any question in my mind whatsoever, still the best barbecue ribs I have ever had in my life.
2: That's saying something.
1: I I swear by you guys' ribs. Like, I know that I sampled I think pork loin at one time and I had one of your pulled pork sandwiches, which I know you swear by and i think we had like some some chicken and maybe some turkey but oh my gosh the one thing i remember was the ribs that we had right after we watched the movie the first time and then the ribs that we had right before doing the crossover podcast like i took a few of them back to the hotel with me and snacked on them again before bed like yeah yeah i i adored those ribs and like there are times where I'll go to a barbecue place and I'll look at other people having a tough time, like pulling the ribs off of the meat, uh, pull, pulling the rib meat off of the bone, and I'm just like, man, I remember that time that that rib meat just fell into my mouth. I barely had to chew. Like, I I don't know what you guys's technique is. I don't know if it's the time, if it's the rub, if it's your your um your source. You know, the guy that gets you the meats, uh-huh. but there there's just something about it that you guys had the right combination that time that I came and I feel like it's going to be a pretty consistent thing like if I go back I'll have like a very similar experience but oh my gosh the best ribs I've ever had
2: that and I I take your word as a massive compliment because look we've had people come into this restaurant and say I'm from Texas and I'm going to judge your barbecue, and I'm going to let you know how it is. (laughs) People in Texas, they take it very seriously, and they are very proud. They do. They really do. they're like, I came to Mississippi, and I'm not expecting much, all right? You know, I came from Texas, the home of barbecue, and we'll see how yours turned out. And all of them leave going, that was damn good. (laughs) (laughs) So you saying that is just like... Okay, you've been around. I know you love barbecue. I mean, we have a barbecue segment on this podcast for a reason, yep. but like I know you've been around and you've eaten a lot of places, and that's that's high compliment, I say. So definitely appreciate that. And yeah, going back to that moment, like I remember I brought some with me that day and then I had to stuff' them in the <laughs> I had to stuff' them in the the uh, little uh, refrigerator in your room at the hotel, and then we went and watched the movie, came back, and then we reheated some of it,
1: and ate it, and yeah, it was
2: was really good, even reheated, it was really good
1: yep, yep it was, like that's the thing, like it's so weird, I remember the four hour special episode that we did and I remember uh, going to Louisiana to watch the movie in 3D, and I remember going to New Orleans for the day with the guys while Mm -hmm. you had to work Uh, like, I remember all of that but like the one thing that I remember was how uncertain I was about having ribs because I'm more of a brisket kind of guy. Yeah. But you sat this big old plate of ribs in front of all of us. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm having ribs. (laughs) (laughs) And I wasn't going to complain because it was barbecue. It was free food. I was like, Holy crap. This is awesome. Like they know how to treat a brother right when he comes on a road trip. Like I was, (laughs) I was excited. And I had it, and it was just melt-in-your-mouth good. And <laughs> like I said, I, I have seen other people try and tackle ribs. I have tried to tackle half plates of ribs and stuff like that from different places, and none of them even come close to the tenderness and the flavor that you guys do. So if you guys are ever in the southern Mississippi area, be sure to try and look Tweet up Rob's Barbecue on Harv's the side. The way. I'll give you directions. Hey, there you go. That's a really great segue to our social media content because we need to close out this evening anyway. It's getting kind of late. Go find Ben at Ben Hart with no E, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Uh, find me on Twitter and Instagram at zaczac_dfw. underscore DFW. If you want to follow Jake, you can find him at Jake Damon, all one word, or Jake W. Damon on Instagram because he still hasn't gotten that sorted out yet. You can listen to episodes of our show on demand at StarWarsUnderworld.com, on Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. But the best place to find us is on Podbean. That is ipcpodcast.podbean.com. Pod as in podcast, green bean, you know, bean as in green bean. Uh, ipcpodcast.podbean.com. And, you know, it's funny because we're we're coming up on Thanksgiving, and we're probably going to have to have, like, a, a Thanksgiving... Uh, recap once we're done. You know, we're going to be off next week for the American Thanksgiving holiday break, um, but when we come back, we'll probably have to talk about that. Last year, for Thanksgiving, I actually wore a hashtag Barbecue Watch t-shirt to Thanksgiving dinner. Nice. And I might have to pull that shirt back out and go wear it again, but if you want a Barbecue Watch shirt, you can find that online as well along with other IPC swag by visiting tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash IPC podcast. So be sure to go and check that out too.
2: Indeed. And as you said, we will be off next week. So this will be our last episode of November. But yeah, we'll be back. And I believe we will be following this up in a couple weeks with a discussion on The Last Jedi. So if you enjoyed this, be sure to come back and uh, we'll finish the saga up. And we'll get ready, finally, for the Rise of Skywalker.
1: It's going to be a lot of fun. And hopefully Jake will be there for that. Hopefully I'll be there for that. Get everybody back on the same Mm -hmm. page for this discussion. Uh, Had a really big discussion. We had uh, Jedi Pod here in Texas a couple of years ago. I think we had like eight or nine people part of that roundtable. Like, it was huge. It was a massive event. And it was a lot of fun. We'll have uh, the three main guys on for uh, Rise of Skywalker. Um, and then a few others, uh, don't really know what the full lineup is for Rise of Skywalker. It's going to be, I think, I think we won't know until we actually get there, like
2: who's going to be in the, in the crew. So, uh, it's going to be interesting.
1: It'll, it'll definitely be the IPC guys and the Star Wars Underworld guys. And, uh, Jeff White from Hype Function is going to be there. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, who knows who else? We'll, we'll find some people. So. Be sure to tune into that as well. It'll be like the Friday or Saturday after the uh, Rise of Skywalker releases, so that'll be fun too. So be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for our Last Jedi discussion in a couple of weeks. But uh, Ben, unless you've got anything else, I think we need to call it a night.
2: I think we did it. I think this was a lot of fun. Love revisiting Force Awakens. Looking forward to the next few weeks in the lead-up to the Rise of Skywalker and, of course... I think we'll probably end up being Skywalker Pod. I think that probably will be the
3: that's big crossover name. pod.
2: I think I think that'll be. A, we'll, we'll have to run that past everyone else. It's not our decision. Yeah, not exactly
1: our call. But this is
2: a democracy, so we'll 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 run it past everyone. But I think that's a good name.
1: But yeah, I mean, it's catchy enough. It's catchy enough. It, it should work. We'll, we'll, now that we'll I put it, it out, out there, somebody's gonna steal it. Right. Right, but we'll figure that out, and we'll let you know what it's going to be called, because you're definitely going to want to tune into that and any other podcasts that tend to pop up. The SW usually does a quick reaction episode right after the movie's over, so there'll be plenty of Star Wars podcasting content to go around in the next month, and we're looking forward to all of it. And we're looking forward to our next episode as well, but that's going to do it for this one Season 2, episode 14, is now officially in the books. For Benjamin Hart, I'm Zach Arnold. Thank you for tuning in this week. We hope that you'll tune in next week. But until that time comes around, we just want to leave you with this final thought. A soldier's most powerful weapon is courage. And we have courage and faith that you will be here for next week's episode of the IPC Podcast. But until then, good night, everyone.